0: your property podcast comes to you with thanks to our friends at trafalgar square finance leading independent specialists in mortgages and all types of property finance whether it's buy to let development or bridging finance trafalgar square can help you organize your funding for your next property project exclusively to listeners of your property podcast Trafalgar Square offer a free one-to-one consultation. So whether you are a portfolio landlord looking to raise funds on your existing portfolio, or if you're just starting out and want to find out if you are eligible for a buy-to-let mortgage, Trafalgar Square Finance can help. It's easy to book with one of their experienced consultants by simply visiting yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash finance. You can find this link in the show notes for more details. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Your Property Podcast. My name is Michelle Cairns, and today we have got a very special guest with us, Simon Zucci from Property Investors Network. Hi, Simon. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm um, very good, thank you. Yes, it's been a year since we did our last uh, market update. We're doing this and annual flies, podcast eh? night. Yeah, it really does. And <laughs> um, for those of you, for the, for the people who are listening who don't know about you now, I can't imagine there's many people in the property industry listening to this who don't know about you. But do you want to just give us a, just a quick, um, a quick intro for people who don't? Yeah.
1: Know? So I started investing back in 1995. I bought a house became a landlord straight away by renting out some rooms in my house and then became what I call a proper landlord a few years later in 1998. When I bought a second house, I moved into that with my friends and, and kept the first one. But I turned into a student HMO. So for 25 years, I've been a, a proper landlord, if you like. And uh, I realized how much money I was making from that as opposed to my graduate job at Cadbury's, which was a great job, by the way, and I loved it. And I thought I should get some more of these. So I got a few more and by 2001, I was able to leave my job. I hadn't quite replaced my income, took me a few more years. By 2003, I'd replaced my income completely. And um, I realized that I'd done all right, but I'd made lots of mistakes. And I thought, wouldn't it be smart to learn from other people? And I didn't know anyone who had as many properties as me. My friends were all working, my family had never owned property apart from their own homes. So I went online to see there's some sort of group I could go to, some club or something, and it was nothing. So in 2003, I set up the very first property investing networking anywhere in the UK, and I called it Property Investors Network. And as you know, we're now going to 50 plus meetings around the UK. We have meetings now in the Netherlands, we have them in Dubai, uh, and slowly growing around the world. And um, back in 2003, as well as pioneering kind of invest uh, investor networking, um, I started to teach people how to invest. So I've been doing that for 20 years. And I actually realized I, I love doing that. And I, I know you do the same thing, Michelle. And, and it's great when you explain something to someone and you see the lights go on, they realize how they can you know, just become financially independent. And maybe they don't need a lot of money to do it. And it's such a rewarding feeling. That's one of the reasons I, I, I do this. I absolutely love it
0: yeah absolutely well it's it's been life-changing for me working with yourself and uh and pin so uh, i know that we you know i've come a long way just by following what you you've told me to do on the journey as well um <laughs> you, no, but you're, you're you know
1: you're, you're a good student you kind of you do what you're told right and that kind of <laughs> helps because I think a lot of people you know you tell them what to do and they think oh i'll just go and reinvent the wheel do it my own way no no, no don't do that just follow the pro- i'm sure you agree michelle there is a process that works uh, it's not easy because these is just as no work. You definitely have to put time and effort in. But I believe, as long as you know what to do, the time and effort you put in uh, will just be rewarded so well. And particularly right now, anyway, I know I'm going to talk about the market, but this is such a golden opportunity for people to jump in and, and do really well uh, right now in what is quite a scary and an uncertain market. Um, but that means there's actually also opportunities.
0: Yeah I completely agree that there is a process and obviously you've just spent as you say the past 20 years figuring out what that process is (laughs) um, and you can save people a lot of time a lot of money a lot of headaches um by just you know just learning from yourself so in that time you've obviously seen so many changes and you know obviously COVID and everything and even since the last time that we uh, did this podcast a a year ago it's a completely different market and um even things like the—I mean, there were things that we we didn't really see coming—the renters' reform bill and 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 all of these changes that are on the horizon. Um, but the interest rates, for me personally, I've had properties yeah. that are—you know—they they were locked into a five-year fix. Now, if I'd have if I'd have really—and and, and I know everyone said, "Oh, it's never—they're never, never going to be this low," but. Like I never, you know, I thought, okay, well, I'll when they get out of the five year fix, I'll change them, right? Yeah. So that was a that was a, a huge thing that I felt like I missed out on. Yeah. Um and what what other things Okay, people, so let's, let's think, talk
1: about that. Yeah, and this is a real it's a really important one. And and first thing I want to explain is obviously you you know you've you listened to me for a long time, Michelle. And whenever we teach people how to invest, we well, always say, right, use six percent as the rate to see if it stacks. And I took that for many years and many people said, yeah, why are you doing this so we can get mortgages for 3%? Why are you teaching? And I said, look, trust me, at some point rates are gonna go up. Now, I didn't expect them to go up as fast as they yeah. have gone in the last year. Um, I don't think anyone did really. Uh, well, actually last 18 months really, February 22 is when they really started to creep up and we've had some, some big jumps. Um, but we knew they were gonna go up at some point. And I think what happened, a lot of landlords Including myself, got used to having such low rates, thanks to the Bank of England rate being half a percent. And now the Bank of England rate at the time of recording is five and a half, which is closer to what it was pre the last financial crash. Um, and so I think a lot of people got uh, a bit complacent with that. And actually, last April, when we saw the rise and start to go up, we were saying to them, guys, look, you might really want to think about fixing your mortgage rates. And quite a few of our clients actually broke their lock-ins they might have had two or five year lock-ins and they, they did the calculations and they worked it out so you know what i'm going to pay the penalties and take this opportunity to refinance take some money out so i've got a bit of money ready to go when, when things get exciting and then fix in the rates and you know hindsight's a wonderful thing right uh, and i i decided to hedge my bet. so some of my mortgage i fixed some i left on variable and some of my variable rates are just ridiculous now. So what I'm doing is I'm remortgaging some of those, and and I'm I'm paying for that gamble. You know, some I my i have got some really low rates, which is great, and they kind of balance out on all uh, overall. But we must remember there are some landlords who don't have any mortgages at all. You know, they might be in the game for a long time. Or I actually I was at one of my training events recently, and I was sitting next to a guy for lunch, and he was saying he had four buy to let properties completely unencumbered. And in a way, he was thinking, oh, great, I don't have interest rate problems. And he said his properties were about worth about half a million pounds, 125 each on average. And I said, that's true. But have you thought about if you did remortgage those and it might be 6% you're paying on your mortgage at the moment. And that means your cash flow is going to come down on each of them if you take the money out. But instead of being 500,000 pounds worth of property, you could have maybe one and a half or two million pounds of property. And price is going to correct a bit, but in the long term, in maybe 10 or maybe 15 years, property prices are probably going to double again. So would you rather have half a million pounds of property that's going to double, or would you rather have two million pounds of property that's going to double? And so, you know, everyone's got their own beliefs and ideas about what you should do in property, but I believe using leverage, using gearing, using other people's money, namely the bank's money, and getting as much property as you can, is a smart thing to do as long as, and here's the caveat, you've got to make sure your finance is affordable. You've got to make sure you're buying properties where it stacks up, which means you make more money than you're paying in rent and insurance and management. So your each property should make you money every single month. And that will vary as you have occasional maintenance and things come up we'll have bad tenants who don't pay that's why if you think about my golden rules you need to have rule, rule number five you need to have a bit of a cash buffer a bit of money put aside to cover the unexpected expenses and i tell you what, my cash has had a bit of a battering recently because of all the things going on but i'd be in a much worse position if i didn't have that money there in the first place
0: yeah, it's so true. And going back to what you said about um, uh, stacking the deals at 6% of the mortgages, that's something that I did do. So all the deals were stacked at, at 6%. So when people say, oh, aren't you affected by the interest rates rises? Well, yes, but also they are still got a really healthy still They'll make money, profit. yeah. That's, yeah that's still the, make money.
1: And there are so many people, Michelle, who, who stacked at 3 or 4% and they're wondering why their properties are losing money now. And there are landlords who are losing money on their properties. Yeah. And this is one of the things I know we'll come on to talk about the market. And as you quite really said at the beginning, the market right now is very different from where it was a year ago. A year ago, which I think was August, September 22, uh, we were still seeing the tail end of the incredible boom that happened during the COVID years. Now that was a complete surprise. Uh, I remember, I think it was May, 2020, the Bank of England put out a report saying they expected property prices to drop 16% as a result of covid and it was all very new then obviously and and the uk government to be fair some responded really well and brought out the stamp duty holidays they brought out the furlough and i think the bounce back loans are very responsible for a lot of the boom in the property market because a lot of people took out bounce back loans, which obviously weren't supposed to be used in property. But a lot of that money, I'm sure, was invested into property. And that's one of the reasons we saw this incredible boom. And then people got into this incredible frenzy. They were just trying to buy anything. And and I stopped buying. I thought, you know what? This is not good. The things are just not stacking up. And and we are now seeing prices correct, which is what happens in a market. They go up, they come down. I think we'll see prices probably level out at what they were just before COVID. So I think we'll see 15% 15 correction probably on average, but obviously that is an average and some areas will fall more, some will fall less. Um, But the thing we have to remember, because I know a lot of people saying, well, maybe I should wait, maybe I should wait till it hits the bottom and then I should buy. Well, first of all, no one knows when it's gonna hit the bottom. I don't know, you don't know, no one knows. Secondly, um, once, the prices are at the bottom and everybody knows or thinks they're at the bottom, buyers suddenly become less flexible because they have this hope that someone will come along and pay more for that property. And, and they might well do, but it means they're less flexible. Whereas when prices are coming down and people are trying to get out, that's when you can get some of the absolute best deals. And that's why I think now, although it is a bit scary, if you know what you're doing and you hold your nerve and you're holding long term and you know you can rent it out and you can make good cash flow, now is such a good time to buy. But I think, Michelle, so many amateur investors and some professionals will stand by the sideline waiting to see what happens, and they'll probably miss this incredible buying opportunity, which is a real shame.
0: Yeah. And when you say it's an incredible buying opportunity, specifically, can you just expand on that? So of course. what are sort of circumstances? You know, are suitable or or the best circumstances for property investors like us that want to help people, want to solve the problem, uh, but also, you know, make it okay.
1: So, there there were two things right now. First of all, um, I think we recognize there were lots of landlords for various reasons who are setting up at any time. we always have some people who are new coming into the market and some people who are exiting, that always happens. But we're seeing increasingly larger numbers of landlords. Looking to sell up and retire, and I think for some of them it might be the interest rates. So some of them it's things like the rental reform coming out and abolition of section twenty one and all these kind of things. And for a lot of it, it's just the general uncertainty. Uh, they don't know what's going to hold, happen in the future, and the fact that they've made incredible capital growth over the last ten or fifteen years, they're thinking, you know what? Maybe I should sell some of these properties and cash in. So we're seeing more and more of that. And with that happening, and also with the high interest rates where it's it's kind of difficult to get a single let to stack up, they do occasionally, but most places they don't really. I think we're seeing people who, who want to get into property, who want to buy, not being able to get the mortgages. So you've lots of people want to sell, people not being able to buy, so therefore the prices are coming down. And in that kind of market, I think we'll see some landlords who remember the property crash back in 2008. They remember some areas property prices came down, I think 20% on average. Some areas like Northern Ireland dropped 60%. So I think you'll see investors who remember how much prices dropped then and they want to get out soon. And they've had really good growth over the last, say, 12 years or so. And they might be prepared to sell at a discount just to get out quickly. And they're still going to make money, but they're. Rather than be greedy, they recognize that I'll I'll take some profit off the table and someone else can buy this property. So I think there'll be more people who are flexible and open to discounted offers, which was not impossible, but difficult over the last couple of years where prices were booming during the COVID years. Um, So that's one thing I think easier to get discounts, I think, because more and more sales are falling through. I think you'll get more general sellers who are becoming motivated. We say that generally only 5% of sellers are are truly motivated, but with so many sales falling through, I was speaking to someone today who runs a big estate agency franchise. He's got something like 450 um, people in his network. And he was saying they are definitely seeing an increase on sales falling through. Um, And that's sometimes because people are getting difficulty in finance. Sometimes people are, are worried about are they going to, be able to afford these mortgages, even if they approve them and they're just getting cold feet? And they're going to wait and see what happens. So, again, this means there's going to be an increase in the number of motivated sellers who are flexible on the price and or the terms. And something that we certainly saw back in the last crash when it was very difficult to borrow money, strategies such as purchase lease options and vendor finance where you may not need to actually get a mortgage now and may not need to put a big deposit in, Uh, they are becoming probably more relevant and more popular in the current market than they ever have been before. Um, And something like purchasing options is one of those things that I think maybe a lot of investors have heard of, but I think a lot of investors don't really understand it. And, and they have misconceptions about what they are and how you can use them, et cetera. And they maybe they've tried to use it on a deal or two and they've been knocked back and think, oh, that doesn't work. But they haven't been using them in the quite correct circumstance. And, and you and I both know there are certain circumstances where they work and a lot of the time they don't work. And so it's about arming yourself or preparing yourself with this toolkit of different tools you can use in different circumstances. So when you meet a seller, it's not a case of, one strategy fits all. It's you find the seller, you ask them what's important to them. You're trying to find out what the pain is, what's the problem, and you look at the toolkit and see if there's something you've got that can help them solve their problem. And hopefully, you come up with an ethical win-win. But as as Rob McFadden, one of my coaches, says, if you only have a hammer in your toolkit, everything starts looking like a nail.
0: Very true. Very true. Well, that's what you're all about, right? Is understanding these creative solutions so yeah. that. Uh, you know, we can even mix a few different a few different yeah. tools together to create this ideal solution for the vendor. Yeah. Um, so, and I know I, you're, and
1: you're you're a particularly creative investor. I know you've used purchase options, rent to rent, vendor finance, exchange delay completion, joint venture partners. private. I mean, you pretty much use all of them, right? And and yeah,
0: well, I do. Li- I do like the toolkit. That's uh, that's for sure. <laughs> I
1: and mean, they but in different circumstances and, and, and it's really important to understand when to use the right tool.
0: Yeah, you're right and I think it's going to come into more into play now because when you say about okay vendors are going to be more flexible and open to more discounts actually what their vendor their expectations of of what the you know the properties were if that's discounted let's say 10% or even 20% it still might not even be enough for an investor that, you know, the, the deal might not stack for them even at a discounted yes. rate. So yeah. so we really do need to be thinking outside of the box. Yeah. Um, and just just um, to
1: add to that, Michelle, uh, a thought here for everyone to think about is, and I don't want people to get distracted thinking it's just about buying properties below market value. So that's one of the things you can absolutely do. But sometimes people can't afford to drop the price down because various things they need to pay for, etc. Um, but actually, a, a, a new way of thinking is flexibility on the terms. So let's talk about purchase these options, which you know is one of my favorite strategies. I you've done a number of options yourself. So, a purchase option, again, simply misunderstood. And it's where generally you find someone who have got a property, they want to get rid of it, but they don't really need the money now you know, they're probably just going to put the money in the bank. Now, by the way, the vast majority of people selling a property are selling because they want to access the equity. They need the money now. Okay. But not everybody. And I think a mistake that many investors make, they make assumptions about what everyone would want or what they would want. They assume other people are the same. Well, we're all different, right? So we need to speak to the seller, ask some great questions, listen very carefully to what they say. So we can hopefully come up with a, this good win-win solution. So. With the purchase lease option, someone doesn't need the money now. And what we're basically doing is we're saying, well, how about we buy the property from you? And instead of trying to get a discount, we say, well, actually, maybe we could give you the full market price. So probably just worth 200,000, instead of having to sell it at 170, 180 now, how about if we give you 200, but instead of giving it to you now, because it's so difficult to get mortgages, how about we give it to you in a few years time, and in the meantime, if there's a mortgage on the point, we pay your mortgage and maybe a bit extra for you, and we'll take on all the hassle. Or If there is no mortgage, we'll pay you a fee every single month, and it will be more than you'd get if you sold and just put the money in the bank. So again, if someone doesn't need the money, and most people do, but if they don't, it's just a different way of thinking that rather than trying to think we have to buy everything at discount, we're actually going to give them more money. But actually, we can afford to do that because... Although prices will drop down a little bit, probably, given long enough, maybe five years, properties might come down, they'll start to come up. And if you agree to something full price today, let's say 200,000, there's a good chance in five years time that might be worth 220, 230. So today's full price might be equivalent to a discounted price in the future. And it's just a different way of thinking from I've got to buy a discount
0: okay so for people listening thinking well that sounds great but where do i find these people (laughs) (laughs) of course well let,
1: let me give you one i mean there was many many ways to find them okay and i believe you could find them online you could reach out direct to landlords through landlord letters word of mouth networking all those things but let me give everyone a really quick and easy thing you can do um michelle i'm sure you've seen many properties on the market that have been for sale by multiple agents yeah. And, yes. and obviously they do that because it's a sign the seller really wants to sell. So that could be a motivated seller. Well, have you ever seen a property that's listed for sale and also listed to rent? Have you ever seen that? I have. Yeah. Now they're not, they're not very common, but they are out there. And if you think about it, that owner's saying, okay, well, I want to sell the property. don't want it anymore. But you know what? In the meantime, I want to rent it. And I'd guess that maybe there might be a mortgage on there. They want to cover the cost of that mortgage and if they have an empty property sitting there they're going to pay the council tax and the standing charge for the gas the electric and they've got to insure it and it could get broken into all these kind of things so it's not good for someone to have an empty property so if we find properties like that we could go to that owner and say hey look i'd like to buy but i'm not in a position to do it right now so can i rent in the meantime and then buy in the future and that's effectively what we're doing with a purchase things option. So that's one very simple way you can find them right now in the market.
0: Yeah, and you could keep an eye out for these and you might pass them by chance. Or of course, we both know there's software out there, Property Filter, for example, that you can just pay for the software and it just finds them all for you.
1: Absolutely, (laughs) and and it's it's one of those things, Michelle, that um, it's something I talk about a lot, which is um, to be successful, I think you have to have the right mindset. And I talk about mindset being attitude, Belief and courage, courage, to get out there and actually do this. And thinking about attitude, part of an attitude is uh, some people have a cost-focused attitude, and some people have a value-focused attitude. And really, to be successful, you need to have a value-focused attitude. And let me explain this. So uh, many many landlords, and I'm generalising a bit here, but many landlords, you know, they're they're getting into property to make money. They don't like spending money. They think, well, I'm I'm going to manage them myself because I don't want to give to a letting agent. And look. I manage my properties initially. I think most people do and that's absolutely fine to do. You could absolutely manage a few properties very much part-time. But what I found, I don't know if you've had this, Michelle, but as you get more and more properties, it takes more and more time to manage them. And I found myself spending less time actually going out looking for new deals. And I believe you make more money when you're buying new properties rather than just managing them. So I think a good step for everyone at some point is either – to get someone else to manage your properties for you or set up your own letting business to do it for you. So you're not personally doing it, but you've got staff who are doing it for you. And then you can even maybe take on other people's properties and manage theirs as well, okay? So I think that's the kind of the step from managing yourself into either delegating to an agent or setting up your own kind of lettings business. Um, But a lot of people don't like doing that because well, I've got to pay an agent or I've got to take staff on, there's a cost to do that. And they're looking at, the reduction they're going to get in their cash flow if some of their profit's going to pay someone else. And I understand that objection. I understand it from a a logical point of view if you're trying to replace your income. But what they're missing is the value of their own time. And there are lots of things that everybody listening to this podcast, everybody listening is doing at least some things which they really shouldn't be doing, they don't need to do, and someone else could do better than them. And as someone else could be could be could be a family member could be a letting agent could be a virtual assistant and so by paying someone else yes there is a cost to that but we need to look at the value that that is creating and obviously Phil, is another great example it's software it's great software it costs about 100 pounds a month or a thousand for the year and some would say oh, i don't want to spend hundred pounds a month to find deals but hang on a minute you're talking about rather than spending hours and hours and hours Looking through Zoopla and Rightmove and then coming off frustrated because you haven't found anything and you're boggled-eyed and you don't know what to do, it finds properties for you just like that. It's where the deals are, as Guillaume, who's the CEO of It says, it's where the deals are. Why on earth, if you're serious about buying a property or getting an option or doing a rent-to-rent, why wouldn't you invest in your business to save yourself time? And it, it, that's that cost versus value mindset that I think so many people struggle to get to, Michelle.
0: Yeah, I agree. And then what do you do with that time? Obviously, you you spend that time doing the high value tasks, the income generating tasks. Yes. You know, if we go back to the scenario of the looking at purchase, these options, um, really having the conversations in person with the vendor. So you you automate the process, you get the software, you send the letters out, you get the phone call. um, Yeah could you just help people with what do they say on that first phone of course goal? i can of course i can and you
1: know what that's the thing that it's very hard to delegate that's where you add the value that's where you get the deals and, and there's there's a lot to learn about this but i really want to give everyone massive value on this call and it's quite simple first of all you need to find out kind of what's the problem why are they struggling i've got this house can't get rid of it so what what's the issue there and you might want to find out why are they selling you know, what's what's the motive behind that? And then if it's, uh, for example, a property for sale on the market, um, you could take them along a little bit of a a kind of a, a I like to look at it like a corridor. You're working along a corridor and you show all these different doors that are potential solutions. So you could say, well, you know, it's on the market um, and you're struggling to sell or sales have fallen through. So one thing you could do, of course, is you could drop the price dramatically and there'll be lots of people like me and other people who might want to come and buy it so would you consider dropping the price and they might say well yeah i might almost oh, no, no, i can't do that i need to get a certain price okay so what you said dropping the price isn't really a consideration and you go through all these options say well if you can't sell it maybe you could rent it out have you thought about renting out how do you feel about that well i don't know i don't want the hassle of what well, you could give it to a letting agent so you kind of you kind of help them explore all of the options that open to them and hopefully, at the end of it, you've kind of taken along this corridor. The last door is well. I will tell you what. How about I actually buy the property from you at the price you want, but not now. In the future, and in the meantime, I take away the hassle. I manage it for you, and you know you you'll probably make more money from this traction than transaction than if you just found someone to buy it from you today. So it, you're kind of taking along a journey, and and um to give you some specific help with that there are two questions you might wanna ask. The first one is you say, look, would you be interested if you can't sell? Or it might even be a landlord who's not looking to sell, they're just having a problem renting it out. So you could ask this question, you say, look, would you be interested in renting the property to me for three to five years for a guaranteed rental income? Would, Would that be of interest to you? Now, you and I both know that that's how you can get a rent to rent property. Okay. And it's kind of the first part of a purchase option. And if they say yes, great. Then you ask the next question, you say, look, would you consider selling that property to me at some time in that three to five year period? Now, they might say, no, no, I don't want to sell because I want the capital growth. Okay, fine. Or they might say, maybe, or they might say, well, let's see how this goes, and then we can look at it. But if someone says, yeah, I want you to rent it for three to five years, we're guaranteed rent, and yeah, I would be interested in selling in in that time, fundamentally, that's a purchase lease option. And you just need to agree, well, how much are you paying each month? What's the end price? How long is it for? Who's doing what in terms of maintenance and things? And and generally, we take on pretty much most of the maintenance, as long as it's not something structural like the roof, because it's obviously not your house yet, but anything goes wrong in the house, we generally fix it. So those two simple questions will find out, do they have the capacity to rent it to you? And then would they be interested in selling it to you? And I think that's probably the simplest way I could describe it, if that helps.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. And I think that's the that's where the gold is, right? That's where, as you said before, you're going to bring the value to this deal. Because everything else, you can kind of automate. You can bring somebody else in, you know, whether that's the solicitors to just tie it up um or whether that's a software to find the deal so uh, you know for people who do want to go out and look for properties like this um there is a process to each strategy and and just like you know there is one for this one so um i know you've got a book coming out on this topic so if people are looking for this process like is that something you cover in the book
1: um Um, well um,
0: in the book the,
1: the book to be honest is is two things first of all i think a lot of people I've heard about purchase these options many haven't but many have but i think they don't really understand what they are and i think one of the biggest objections people have in their head or challenges obstacles is they think why on earth would someone give me their property and agree to sell in the future so really the purpose of the book is to first of all raise awareness about exactly what you can do so for example you could uh we could take on a property rent it out and make a profit on a property we don't own and get potential capital growth you could also use an option to even live in a property you if you're if you don't have your own home yet you could move in as what we call a tenant buyer and you've got an option to buy it in the future or maybe you do have a home you're even a bigger better property well you can use a, an option to do that uh, you can use properties to uh, options to flip property instead of buying something spending the money doing it up and then selling it you don't have to own it Uh, you could do a joint venture that's a kind of an option with the with the owner so there are so many different ways of using them i think i want to first of all raise people's awareness and open their mind to the possibility then we kind of explain okay well why on earth would someone do this um and you've got to get your head around what's in it for the seller because if you can't understand what's in it for the seller you're never going to get them to agree to it you've got to You've got to buy into it yourself and really see. And, and also I explained the book, the circumstances where absolutely an option works and the many circumstances where it doesn't work. And I think that's really important. And we've also done something really clever in the book because um, I've written it from from an investor point of view. But right at the beginning, we talk about how everyone can benefit So how the investor can benefit, how the owner, and how the estate agent can benefit as well if it's sold to an agent. So people can take this book, give it to an agent. Hey, let's read the first few pages and and I'll explain to them how options work. And they can see right in the first few pages why it's good for the agent as well. And the summary is that the agent can get paid in three to four weeks instead of getting paid in three to four months. And once agents understand this, and by the way, most agents have never even heard about it, let alone understand it, if you get one good agent, they could potentially bring you a whole load of deals. So this book's, I think, gonna be a bit revolutionary, a bit different. Um, I know we talk about how to find them and that kind of thing and what to say to the owners and about the legal paper, those kind of things as well. But it's really just to put it on people's radar that this is a very powerful tool that you should absolutely have in your toolkit particularly in the current investing climate.
0: Yeah, it does sound like it's, um, it's something that people need absolutely right now um, to be looking out for because if uh, you want to just talk about these windows of opportunity, because, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, it, it's not the best time to do flips because the prices are dipping, but it is, yeah. it, you know, it is a great time to do options. Is there any other strategies or anything else that people might yeah, be missing so- that's right in front of them? <laughs>
1: So a couple of things, I'll, I'll give you what I think of my my things you should be doing right now, in my view, and things you shouldn't be doing right now. So let's start with things you shouldn't do. As you said, I don't think you should be doing flips, where you may buy a house, you're doing a simple refurb, improving the value. In a rising market, that's a great strategy. In a falling market, there's a risk that you buy it, spend money, and the end price is less than it's cost you. Now, you could always hold on to it and rent it out. That's your exit. You should always have a backup exit plan. Um, but... know there were probably better investments you could do than that particular one right if it's such a good deal in the first place why are you flipping it you should be adding it to your portfolio so flipping property i think is not a good idea likewise and and this really surprises and i gave us far as frustrates me i sometimes see property experts who should know better saying trying to sell people oh you should buy off plan properties which i think is for the worst thing to do in a market like this. An off plan is where you you put down money on a property that's not actually built yet. And the idea is in a rising market, you put down a deposit, and I've done this years ago in rising markets, put down a deposit, uh, the property's built over a year, maybe two, by the time it's built, the value has gone up. And so the price you're buying at, you agree to buy it, is less than the true value. But that only works in a rising market. We are not in a rising market. Now, I believe prices will recover, obviously, because we live on this island with a limited amount of accommodation and increasing population, which you heard me say a thousand times. So long-term prices go up. But I don't know if it's going to be later this year. I think it's probably going to be 2024 before we see the prices bottom out and go up. But hey, as I said before, I don't know. So I think flipping property and off-plan property is not a good thing to do right now. I think many single lets, buy-to-let properties, it's difficult to get it to stack up. It's difficult to get mortgages that have enough rental cover to satisfy the stress test that lenders are trying to do. That's why so many sales are falling through. However, what we can do, we can take properties that are being used as single lets now, and we can repurpose them. In the right location, we can maybe use them as serviced accommodation where you're renting out very short term to contractors, holidaymakers, etc. Or if it's a big enough property, we could use it as an HMO, a house of multiple occupation. We rent out the individual rooms and a different types of tenants go into those kind of properties. But those two strategies, service accommodation and HMOs, when done correctly, And they are more advanced strategies and you definitely need to treat them like businesses and put systems in place. But when done correctly, they're both very, very profitable. There's good demand for them both right now. and Because of the very high cash flow, you can get finance for them right now. So I think those are some of the best strategies. And sometimes people get confused between a strategy and a tool. I would say rent to rent is actually a tool that you can use in conjunction with service accommodation or with HMOs purchase this option is a tool that you can use in conjunction with HMOs or service accommodation and so um I think this is why you need to have this toolkit and all these different solutions so that as the situations come up as you find the sellers you find out what's important to them and hopefully you can solve their problem if you give someone what they need they're far more likely to give you what you want
0: yeah okay great well there's some concrete um steps that people can go out and take there and just areas of, uh, to focus on because i think for a lot of people generally people get really overwhelmed very quickly when they come into the property world and you know the education yeah. world for sure and they discover all these different strategies and they think right okay gosh you know which one where do i start so it's great to have you know that steer there on on what what's my, right my,
1: my two tips would be this i think it's Good to get educated to understand what the options are. You know, if you only have one strategy, well, that's what you're going to try and do. But then rather than getting hung up, what well, I'm just going to look for HMOs or just going to look for SA. My suggestion would always be, well, just try and look for motivated sellers. Find the seller and then based on their circumstances and based on the property, you could work out what the property might be appropriate for. Oh, OK, it's a big project. Maybe I could use it as an HMO. Uh, or service combination, whatever it might be. But it's it's about looking for the seller, first of all. And if what you come up with is not right for you, then you could pass it on to someone else. So actually, this is probably also a really good time to become a deal sourcer because there are going to be so many more deals available now than there certainly have been in the last couple of years. And a lot of people, when they're new, think, oh, I'll become a deal sourcer. And the idea is they charge fees for the deals they're finding and they add those up as deposits, the ones they want to keep. And that's a, a great strategy. The problem is most people miss out that first education step and they spend a whole load of time and they're wasting lots of their time. They're wasting investors time as well, because they really don't know what they're looking for. So that come back to that value versus costing. Some people say, oh, it's really expensive to invest in yourself. Well, as someone who's done it the hard way myself, in the first place I can tell you education can be expensive but mistakes and trial and terror can cost a lot more than education
0: very true very true okay uh to wrap up sort of final question then so we understand sort of what strategies we need to be working on um, but for a lot of people, they get stuck in the business rather than working on it. Mm. So could you give like people three tips on where they should be spending their time? Um, yeah. You know, just help people get focused because as entrepreneurs, okay. we've got too many hats on when we get...
1: We ones. do indeed. Okay, so let, let's think about how you allocate. Now, some people are doing property full-time and some people are doing it very much part-time. And actually, uh, I think sometimes people who are part-time, if they're focused... sometimes achieve more than people are full-time because when you're full-time you know the the tasks you have expands the time available And as you know michelle some of our most successful clients have got very busy full-time jobs or they're running their own businesses and i believe you know although we're busy if you want to do something you will find the time so i think the first thing anyone needs to do right now is get really crystal clear on why you want to do this and what you want because unless you know what you want, unless you know where you're trying to get to, how on earth are you going to get there? So you've got to get that focus and clarity about what you want. Then when it comes down to, um, so work out what you want. And don't worry about the how, just think about what you want. Then you've got to break that goal down to small, actionable steps. So rather than, I want to buy four properties this year. Okay, well, rather than thinking about four, why don't I think about what do I need to do to buy just the next one? OK, what's what, how do I get the next one? And then what do I need to do to get so you break it down to small steps and then you need to start moving forward and you have your action plan. And what you need to do is do something every day, I believe, to get the momentum going. And some days you'll have more time than others, of course. But if you do one thing and when you look at your action list of all the things you need to do, you want to focus on what's the most important thing. What's the thing that's going to get me the most progress and very often we look for the quick and easy thing to tick off the list to give ourselves a bit of a boost oh great i've done something off the list well that's great but we might keep on avoiding the really important thing so get clear on what you want break down a plan have your action list do something every single day and in terms of the proportion of time i'd say maybe 80 percent of your time might be your core strategy let's say i want to do hmos that's what 80 percent of your time should be doing but then you want 15% of your time looking at the periphery. Because if you're just focused on HMOs, you might miss some really good, other interesting deals that are around you that aren't suitable as HMOs, but are really good deals. And you might say, Yeah, but I, I don't want to do SA because I don't have the experience. But what if you found an amazing deal that could be a perfect SA? And instead of you doing it, you could join venture with someone else who has got the experience and has got the time to do that. So rather than walk away from that great opportunity. And then so that's so. 80% of the time, your core strategy, 15% periphery so you don't miss things, and then 5% of the time, always educating yourself. You've got to keep up to date what's happening. You've got to learn new things so that you'll keep on topping up that knowledge bank. And, you know, people who've been investing for the last 10 or 12 years in a rising market need to be very careful. They don't assume what they've done for that time period is right to use now. And I think I am probably one of the only people teaching property investing who's been doing it consistently for 20 years, which means not only have I been in boom markets, I was investing and teaching other people in the last crash. So I know exactly what you need to do in these market conditions, whereas most of the other property trainers out there, they weren't even investing themselves that time, let alone teaching people. And, and they're, they're kind of learning as they go and that's a dangerous thing.
0: Yeah, okay. And is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to mention about the, where the market is at the moment? You know, just to wrap up.
1: Yeah, so um, So so I think we're gonna see property prices continue to fall probably to 2024. And then I think they'll start to come back and that's just a guess, just a, a, a feeling. Um. I think it's hard to tell about interest rates. I think interest rates are probably going to stay where they are probably for the most of this year. And I think, hopefully, I think rates will come down, but I think it might be end of this year or beginning of 24 until we see that. But again, no one knows, and the Bank of England seem to be a law unto themselves. Um, but I think we're probably going to have these kind of rates where they are for a few months yet. And I'm hoping in 2024, we'll see rates start to come down. Um, and, and that might be something that actually helps stimulate the market and then helps prices then come up again. Um, I think we're still going to see an increase in rents, though. Uh, there's a shortage of accommodation generally. If you have really good accommodation in the right area, you would easily rent it out and you get really good rents for it. But there will become a point where affordability is an issue for tenants. So there's going to be a cap in all areas. And and you'll always have some tenants who are prepared to pay more, but the average tenant, there's there's going to be a ceiling. There's going to be a price point that they can't go beyond. So that's going to be something to watch out for as well. Um, So I think to summarize, I think for those of us who are ready, I think it's going to be a very exciting 12 to 18 months
0: brilliant right well lots of inspiration lots of action points there to be getting on with for people and of course your book which will put all the links in the show notes to find out more about I, that i guess
1: we can come back next year in a year's time and see if i was right or not yeah
0: absolutely. <laughs> i look forward to it
1: thank you so much. Well,
0: thank you thank you simon thanks for your time and uh we'll we're watching waiting in anticipation see what happens next thank you for anyone who is not yet subscribed to the magazine, click the link in the show notes for your free 30-day trial. See you next time, guys.